Whether you're buying a new car or used one, it's a big investment, which is why you should choose Pennzoil Platinum. It helps extend the life of your engine and protect it up to 15 years or 500,000 miles, whichever comes first, guaranteed. That's because Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas and 99.5% free from engine clogging impurities. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Enrollment required. Keep your receipts. Other conditions apply. See Pennzoil.com slash warranty for full details. Find it at Firestone Complete Auto Care. Sometimes you need to take control to make a difference. That's why with FlexPath from Capella University, you're in control. Set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move at a pace that works for you. Discover a different way forward at capella.edu. I'm going to go look that up now. See if You're I not going to be able to know which one it was. Why not? You don't think? Oh I'll my just keep goodness. sending up to him and ask. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a fun convo. Meadow and I just had that was special that was fun that was illuminating he's all the things I'm just beaming I wish you could see our face I honestly we need to figure out our video because there were so many times where he was talking where you and I were just like like making big faces and that doesn't translate on podcasts and I want you to see our reactions to the enlightening things that Cole says to us that actually brings up a good point quick side note for those uh listeners um Meadow and I are learning in real time. That's what the podcast is about. You know, we're also learning in real time how to do production. So, oh yeah, please be nice to me. Yeah, like we Meadow lives in San Diego. <laughs> I live in LA. We're trying the best we can. We don't have a studio. We're not signed to a network. Email and Meadow us. edits <laughs> the podcast. So, you and know, I'm not an editor. I'm a our, I'm a mental yeah. health professional. Okay. If our video isn't amazing, it's not my fault. I'm trying. <laughs> But also, this is us because we have been abundantly clear about, like, we recorded episodes early on and are kind of, like, playing things at different times, like, uploading episodes out of timeline order. This Mm -hmm. is the first time that we're recording post-launch. Oh, my gosh. And it's gone so well. And we just want to say thank you because, like, we did not expect this many people to listen. Or at least I didn't. I didn't expect this many people to listen or send, like, the types of messages the kindest, we've been getting. most validating so nice. messages. And like literally we were, as long as one person felt that, that was our only That's goal. That's the point. And we're so happy that more than one pe- person, people, more than one people. Are feel- <laughs> more than one people are feeling this. And we're yeah. just bursting at the seams. So we just have to say thank you to everyone. Tuning thank in you and beyond. And, and you guys, honest, and for the first episode, the feedback that I, like you guys are, ugh, honestly made me cry. Like some of the feedback oh, that people fully. sent me of like, stop being so hard on yourself Gabby like stop feeling stupid about you know I'm not even gonna tell you what it's about go listen to thought one if you haven't <laughs> listened to it. it it really made me feel um really great and supported so thank you very much we also have such a cool community already we literally have a group chat oh yeah if you want to be in the group chat slide into our DMs. it's via Instagram so you don't it's not like an invasion of your privacy it's not a phone number but yeah, we do no. have a DM chat that's called thoughts on thoughts may vary and literally all we do is like check in on each other and talk about different topics and it's kind of the cute like thing honestly i think world. i think i'm gonna exit the chat because i want people to talk shit i know i kind of want i know that's so here's our struggle if group chat if you're listening we might exit out because like don't you want to talk shit about our episodes too like what if you uh, we want genuine feedback too yeah i'd be like oh gabby's so annoying and like oh but i kind of want to be barking. in it because i love engaging too We'll see. We might jump out and say, what if we keep just the thoughts may vary Insta in and we'll just check in from time to time to say hello, but then also not have our personal so you guys feel like you can talk shit too. Because that's like, the thing. Like, you know, we, we want open. the account. 
whatever let us know okay, group I know. We'll we know you're listening <laughs> we know you're listening out there so today fam we have a very very special episode we got to record with our the one the friend. only cole brown cole and i have known each other since we were 18 he went to georgetown i went to gw if you don't know college things they're both in washington dc and we had a lot a lot of mutual friends and we talk about it a bit in the episode cole was always nice guy we always knew each other hey Mm -hmm. how's it going big hug at a party but we were never close in like the past year we reconnected through one way or another and it has been really 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 fucking cool to see all of the incredible things that he is accomplishing and will continue to accomplish and just the grace and ease Mm -hmm. in which he does all of it so for those listening if you don't know who cole brown is you must know who cole brown is he is a get ready because this bio is a big one he's a political commentator a writer and the author of the book gray boy finding blackness in a white world which is an incredible book it's a bunch of every chapter is a short i'm holding it up like you can see it you must you (laughs) must this book is a must read it's received praise from literally everyone i'm talking no everyone p diddy queen latifah the new york times forbes and my personal hero elaine waltz roth wrote the forward to this book it's and it is such it's an honest examination of an underexplored side of the black experience the black american experience that of black kids maturing in a predominantly white environment Gray Boy also received an NAACP Image Award nomination for That's outstanding literary right. work, literary That's work, right. and the debut author, and was selected for Steph Curry's Underrated Book Club. And it's so as we talk about, written, by the way, it is as we talk about at the end. I keep interrupting Meadow because I'm like, listen to the rest of this bio. I know. Sorry, <laughs> I'm just giving like little ad libs in the back. It is, as we speak about it in the end of the episode, so make sure you get to that part. It's currently in TV development with ABC Signature and Yara Shahidi's Seventh Son production company with Cole as an executive producer. And if this wasn't enough, he just followed up Grey Boy by co-authoring Matt James's memoir, First Impressions. And Matt James, for those who don't know, is the first ever Black Bachelor and that book is expected in May 2020. And nope, it is it's already 2021. Nope, <laughs> <laughs> nope. May 2022, babe. May 2020. <laughs> I'm like reading the bio. I'm like May 2020. May 2022. <laughs> right now, Cole lives between LA, New York, uh, a little bit of London, a little bit of Australia. He a little bit of London. Regularly to, to CNN, Departures Magazine, the Sydney Morning Herald. And blavity on matters such as race and politics. And right now he's just working on the screen adaptation of Grey Boy as well as other very secretive TV and literary projects that we cannot know about. And we're not going to be the leaks. So Cole, keep things. You know, all in a day's work. All in a day's work. Just this casual. was just a special. It was a special conversation. It's a great conversation. There's a lot of gems in here. I think it Cole sheds a, a lot of light. friend. He's a beautiful, like, example and mentor he's a bit it just he I I really really appreciated how he said that you know a lot of the other press things he did didn't lean as heavy into like mental health specific there's so I mean everything about this book is mental health right like everything about it is but I think knowing who we are like we went we wanted to go deep quick especially because we're friends right so we like wanted to ask all the good questions and I just am so grateful for 
his honesty and vulnerability. Yes. I think it's really unique, especially from young men. Like he's so grounded and honest and vulnerable and open and we just appreciate him endlessly. It's fucking funny. Yeah, he's fucking funny. And (laughs) he's a he's a great time. So thank you so much, Nicole to Cole for doing this, for being like Madison, for being so open and honest and vulnerable and for being down to go deep real quick because we don't fuck around here on Boss Me Very. No, we don't. Enjoy the conversation. We love you, Cole. Thank you. Nice. We were just saying that before you got on. I was like, I wonder if he's been back to Australia since we saw you last. Because I feel like when we saw you... I feel like when we saw you you had just gotten here right yeah, yeah at prince street yeah. or whatever exactly um yeah. the borders to australia have been closed i think they might have just opened but uh for a very long time i wouldn't have been allowed to go back uh, but going to london at the end of the week for, for oh. a few weeks which will be nice that's fun chic for what yeah. work or play or both play just play <gasps> jealous oh even better <laughs> so oh my gosh good. that's so nice where were you Last week, I messaged him. I was like, I'm going to be in New York. He's like, well, I'm not. I was like, okay. Uh, I think I was in London then, too. Yes. Wait, let, wait, this is like two weeks ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was in London then, too. Oh, my God. Um, What's in London? London? Just friends and fun. Oh, so might, so as well, fun. might as well go back. I love that. How are they with COVID stuff? I haven't heard an update on... Um, fully mm-hmm. open, and they yeah. probably shouldn't be. Like, there's a probably. surge. But, yeah. oh, well classic still going we're did you see that one thing that everyone is like we're i think it was snl that was like we're in the like fuck it stage of covid like every, the whole yeah. world is like we got yeah. vaccines fuck it let's just see how this goes now Th- that's exactly what london has decided to do which like awesome. i'm mad at it they were in in lockdown for a long time i get it but uh probably shouldn't have opened as quickly as they did yeah well let's see how it goes <laughs> um okay we don't want to eat too much of your time because Let's it's such right a jay. I always like love hearing the response when we ha- when we give the ask. Like we need an hour and a half of this person's time. It doesn't take an hour and a half. We just block it off. But it's just it's fun to see the all response. All good. Take take all the time that you would like. I am really not that busy. <laughs> That's such love a love to hear it. The most multi hyphenate man's like I'm not busy. It's fun. always got time for you too. Oh, thanks. Thank um, Meadow, take it away. Okay. Well, we start every episode off with hidden deep quick so we usually start off with something we're currently unpacking so gabby and i can go first to give you a little bit of an example please feel free to share more and less whatever you feel like gabby do you want to go first or do you want me to i'm kind of ready to um, rumble but mine's a little mine's a little deep mine's like not so i'll go fast okay great i mean it is but like it's not i don't know i saw a psychic last week do with that what you will Ooh. but <laughs> I love a psychic. <laughs> we unpacked it and I was like, oh, she sees me. Could all be crap. But at the same time, it makes me feel better about myself. So like, I'll take it. I think lately, I mean, not lately, the past year, especially since I became my own boss. And I've had a tendency to do this my entire life. I have the tendency to believe that if I am capable of doing something and if I've accomplished it, it's no longer special and it's no longer difficult automatically. Ooh. And I really put that into my career. So if I'm like, oh, like I, I have a really hard time accepting either compliments or any sort of praise when it comes to any sort of career move that I've ever made, because I'm like, well, if I did it, it's like not difficult. It's not hard. And I feel like that stunts me from moving forward in a way because I'm inhibiting myself by being not as confident as I should be. And so not acknowledging how hard you've worked to get there to begin with. Yeah, like it's all a blur and I just don't 
it's the same sort of issue that I always have when I'm like running 100 miles per hour and I'm like never in the present, always thinking about the future. Yeah. And then I don't like acknowledge any sort of, you know, moment that I'm currently going through. So, yeah, lately it's just been. And the woman was like, she said it. And that was and I was like, OK, that's a broad statement. She could say it to everyone. But again, makes it was exactly what myself. you needed so to I'm hear. Like, it's exactly yeah. what I needed to hear in the moment because I was like, I do do that. And I feel seen. So Will you be going it. back to your psychic? Honestly, I really liked her. Are you into that stuff? I, like, I have to admit, I'm not at all. But I but I right. get that it works for others. So I'm happy totally. that it's working for you. Well, I'd never seen an actual, like, psychic. I mean, she's not going to tell you, like, horrible things. She's not going to be like, you're going to die at this age and, like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I've seen astrologists. I don't know what's worse in your eyes, but <laughs> <laughs> I've seen astrologists. I, and go ahead. I am not judgmental of of that. It just doesn't work for me. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, I, like, I, I just don't do it. But but no. I get that many others do. I have a friend. You know what? I appreciate your feedback because I have a friend who like I'll talk to her about it and she'll literally dead ass look at me and be like, you're the dumbest person I've met. Like, stop talking. <laughs> so thank you. Um, yes. But yeah, I normally see astrologists and like that's fun because like they look at your chart and it's it's more of like that thing. What I liked about this woman is that the way that she communicates to you is like talking to your angels. I said that in quotes. Mm-hmm. Cool. If you're not watching visually, um, and that just resonated the ancestors. with me because I'm a spiritual, like, love talking about past lives totally. type of human. So that resonated with me. Cool. So I liked it. I love that. I'll see her. I've never Go seen off. one. I'm I'm open to it. Yeah, I know. I want to. I want to do it. And she's based just in Miami, so I'm just like, I get you. Yeah, <laughs> that's you know? cool. Okay, Let yeah, mine is mine's way different. Mine is a. Uh, Oh, I was unpack. I had a some very traumatic family stuff happen last week. Cole, for a little bit of no. context, I have a younger brother who has some pretty serious mental health issues and is also very severe substance use issues. Wow! And I don't so, think the podcast knows that either. Really? Okay. So I, I have a younger so. brother who has mental health issues and substance use issues that are pretty much as extreme as you can imagine. That's yeah. where they're at. He's two years younger yeah. than me, and. I have a very complex relationship with him. Like he's obviously my little brother and I love him more than anything, but he does a lot of, he engages in a lot of behavior that's, that I don't always want to be around. That's pretty dangerous to my well-being too. And so just trying to navigate boundaries with family members when different people within the pod of that family has severely different opinions, which means like I try to hold boundaries that my mom vehemently disagrees with and we're trying to come to an understanding of we can we can disagree and have different boundaries but we still need to honor each other's for each other and navigating that in the midst of a crisis is hard to do like we talk about it outside of crisis a lot to try to have that understanding for when situations like this come up whoo but man they come up and it is oh it's heavy and it's been it's been a lot. And then it's also, but what, one thing that's been really cool about it is that I immediately, like two nights ago, was like, fuck it, I'm doing the work. And I started doing a, a shadow workshop and like trying to own my shadow and get more in touch with that side of myself and like reclaim old narratives. I don't know what that means. Blah, blah, blah. What does that mean? Oh, okay. Um, shadow, your shadow, if you will, is kind of like different identities and projections and ideas you may have about yourself that you're shameful of 
Got it. And so it's it's like the dark side of yourself that you don't always want to acknowledge. But when you yeah. can learn to integrate that and like accept it or rewrite those definitions for yourself and kind of put that in a more cohesive view of yourself, you can just like up level your mental health, essentially. Cool. So I decided to go deep into that, especially in the family dynamic, because, man, I'm going through it and I just want to. Has I just need the, I need all the tools I can get. <laughs> Has it helped you? I mean, it's been one day. And what's really interesting is, so the type of workshop that I do, they do, um, are you, are you familiar with EMDR, Cole? I am not. It's that type of, th- it's that type of therapy where, um, it's kind of like hypnosis where they'll move your eyes and try to like yep. reprogram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So, I know exactly what it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So the type of workshop that I'm doing, like teaches you about shadow, asks you different questions, you do journal prompts, and then they do a meditation. And in the meditation, they use different tones that will go back and forth from one ear to the other. So it's trying to, in your meditation, you're like visualizing maybe like a different part of your shadow and like if something happened and and redoing it and it has the tone so you're trying to rewire that to a different location in your brain so you accept it whatever but nothing came up so I think that's my first block like they led us through this whole entire meditation and was like you know envision whatever the scenario was and absolutely nothing came to me and they said when that happens that's trauma and your brain trying to protect you so I was like oh god it just showed me how much fucking work I have to do so like slightly overwhelmed by how much work I have to do in process but I also felt very very supported last week by like Gabby and all my friends and everyone so I feel like I'm in a good place to do it it's just that feeling of like fuck I still have so much work to do you know what I mean Um, well I hope you're able to work through it that's 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 significant stuff um so I wish you the best thank you Thank you. What are you? Um, how about you, Cole? Cole? You you <laughs> got the whole gamut. Wait, you can go so, from like yeah, spiritual to deep. Yeah. You, we we run everywhere. So what what is the name of this segment again? It's called Hidden Deep. What? It's what are you unpacking? What are, what are you, you currently unpacking? working through? Okay. Um, what am oh, I also like love through? that you called it a segment. Like we're not that professional. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is now a segment. <laughs> now it if Cole Brown calls um, it a segment, it's a segment. It's, <laughs> <laughs> um, man. So I what am I working through? I. Meadow, you you really set the standard with that one. I don't have anything nearly that significant going on in my Cole, life. I literally <laughs> no, 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 no. Said no. I was talking to a psychic. Like, yeah, please. okay. Uh, Just okay. significance so, is relative. That's what I mean. Some weeks mine fair. are worse than Gabby's. You know what I mean? By like, the way, we're, yeah. we're going to circle back to what you just said because you. Th- the whole like, oh, I don't have anything significant. I have a question for you about that later. But okay. Okay, circle off. back. Um, so I went to a Friendsgiving last night. Uh, my little sister, Gabby, who you know, Meadow, I don't think you do, but she went to school She's with I've Gabby. heard wonderful um, things about her, though. She is a wonderful human being. And uh, this isn't really working through, but I'm just remarkably proud of her. Um, she is like a grown-up now. She just graduated from GW. Uh, she has her own apartment in Tribeca. She has a great job. Um, and oh, she's at Connie Nass now, Meadow. Oh, yes, she is, because that's the last time I heard about her. Was yes. that you were talking about that? Oh wait, oh, she's amazing. at W. W is not with Conde anymore, right? Oh yeah, they're with. I can't remember the name of the group, but they you're right. Sold, they sold. They sold. Whatever. She's oh. at W. Big, um, big deal. Damn. But uh, so seeing that and the and the people that she had brought together last night was just was just warming to my heart. Um, that's amazing. And then and then like actually working through. Um, similar to what you just described, Gabby, I am now, and probably have been for the better part of a year, kind of my own boss, um, working on several different projects. Um, but that just comes with like all sorts of adulting that I'm learning how to mm. do. Um, uh, just put an offer in on a house for the first time and trying to figure <gasps> Whoa, out how to do congrats. that. And 
Oh my gosh, that's health insurance and and just like stuff that is not at all fun to talk about. Um, yeah, but but is is weighing on me, and I need to figure out how to do this stuff. Well, and also the fact that like we're taught the Pythagorean theorem and not how to do any of that shit, right? In public education, like, wouldn't it be yeah. awesome if they taught us like what applying for a loan looks like if you yeah. want to have like we're we're we don't know any of that stuff. Like, it's so overwhelming. Yeah, and, my and mom. When you're when you have like a regular nine to five job, you don't realize how much of that stuff is just like handled for you. Yes. Uh, and now yeah. I got to figure out how to do all of it. Um, so that as well. Aaron showed me. Got, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Gabby. I, know, I was just gonna say, I got the text from my mom of like, Hey sweetie, you need new health insurance, babe. It's time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, you're you right. hit that 27 like, number. You're 26. on your own. 26. 26? Is it 26 now? Oh, jeez. Yeah, I'm like, Turn 26 and like, not only are you faced with the crisis of being closer to 30 than you realize, okay. you also have to get your own health insurance. And like, I, Gabby, I turned 26 in September and, and I dealing with all that was a mess. Yeah. Wait, where's the house that you're, that you're looking at or put off? In Philly, that's a whole different discussion for another day. Oh, damn. Like, huge. Trying, trying to get that across the finish line. We'll see. Keep your totally. fingers crossed for me. Oh my we gosh, got you. I will. We're That's... like huge manifestors over here. We'll we'll add it to our witch spells. There you go. <laughs> I'll pray on my crystals. Literally. <laughs> see what happens. Wait, Gabby, circle back to your question about unpacking then before we dive in. Oh, okay. Well, that's it's 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 trickled into the questions that we had. So, okay, Cole, we're, before before the episode actually starts, we're gonna do like a whole little intro on you. We'll give you a very impressive bio and introduce the book and all sort of things that. You know, I love and Meadow read it and loves and... Oh, wait, can I give him my compliment first? Sure, go ahead. Okay, I have a compliment <laughs> that I ran past Gabby because I'm scared to give it to you because I just feel like, I don't know, when I compliment writing and then you like want to relate it to other writers, everyone has different relationships with other authors. Yeah. So I always get nervous. But to me, just so you know, this is like the highest compliment ever. But to me, when I was reading it, which it was so beautiful and we'll get to it. I felt like your tone of voice in my head was like a mix of Ta-Nehisi Coates and Jack Kerouac. Sweet. That is a very high compliment. Okay. Um, he go. He likes it. Just because yeah. like, some people are like iffy land. about different authors. So I never know yeah. how they're going to land. But that's how you you just had like, I, I don't know why. I just didn't expect such a specific tone of voice yeah. in that way. And it really brought up those two authors for me. And I, I fucking loved it. And then you most me and Gabby were saying it, it's so noticeable especially when you read your mom's chapter because then you're like oh shit wow like it's it's obviously written so differently and it's kind of fun yeah. to go back and forth between your two brains um but those well, are the authors you so that much. you reminded that me is, of. yeah that is really high praise in my book as well Tony I actually I actually thank him in the acknowledgments not because I know him personally but just because of how much he uh Profound. inspired so much in my writing um yeah so thank you very much that's incredibly oh, good. kind of you look of at course. that Otto. good look at that yeah I told Meadow I was like my favorite things to read are when you know like you can tell who wrote it yeah yeah and like knowing you tone. yeah like knowing you and like having conversations with you in like our personal life I'm like oh you get reading I'm like yeah checks out it's cool and that was what's fun about me is like we only met at Prince Street Pizza once you know what I mean right, like I right. I do know you but not not well in that way yeah. so it was so much fun to like have that impression of you and like be your friend but then also dig deep into oh so good okay i'm gonna go on a tangent gabby keep going okay wait so what i what yeah. i was think was thinking about earlier when you were like okay i don't have anything of significance to say yeah I'm putting that in air quotes people 
It reminded me of something that I read in your book when you were talking about what you call your not as good times mm. and how like that whole chapter of your life in your brain is like steeped in shame when you think mm. about it. And I was thinking a lot about that chapter and I mean about the whole book in general. And of course, there are moments that I'll never understand, particularly about how you're talking about how like, you know, your formative years as a teen yeah. and all of us go through like hormonal issues and you're just identity crisis and then I'll never understand the sect of like what you say as like your differences being fact-based being your DNA being Mm -hmm. able to actually be physically perceived but what I saw myself reflected in your words was when you were talking about you know how adults sort of look at private school kids and like problems quote-unquote in Mm. this like very patronizing and trivializing way that I think really contributes to that like deafening sense of isolation that we already feel and I know that for me growing up I always felt like I wasn't allowed to feel anything bad because other people had it worse Mm. and I it took me a very very long time and you know when I graduated college I did this whole thing called the Hoffman process it's like intense therapy camp whatever and that was my biggest thing there was like I or one of the big things that I was working through was I, I felt embarrassed to talk about like fighting with my friends because people are like, you know, had these like horrifying upbringings and it's something that I still work through. But I was wondering if that mentality, I mean, clearly it impacted you in some way because you sort of, you wrote about it, but I was wondering if you could sort of elaborate on how that's impacted you. Yeah. I I think that that, um, that definitely came up uh, one in writing the book, but two, even more so just in uh, trying to get the book published. Um, So it might be, it might be helpful to, give some context so the book yes please uh, the book started as an essay for a class when I was at Georgetown uh, and it was my junior fall oh, cool. when I started writing it um, what class the, it was an entrepreneurship class okay. where he he was gonna require everybody to write uh, what he called a book in reality it was about a third of, of what the book ended up being but still a long essay for, for yeah, college absolutely. Um, and wrote that he offered to publish it at the end of that semester um, and I just didn't feel quite like I was done. Uh, so signed to an agent my junior year thinking that I would publish it by the time I was a senior uh, and that's just not how things worked out at all. Uh, so signed to an agent, fired that agent, four years later I finally have a publishing contract, finally finish the book uh, and get it out. Um, part of the reason it took so long was because of exactly what you're talking about, Gabby. Like just getting this thing published. Um, there is the the overlay of uh, being from a affluent background, um, but then also how that interplays with like my race. Like there were so many publishers that I can think of one in particular that will go unnamed, um, but like a really really big publisher um, that I shared with them kind of the synopsis of the book, and the feedback was essentially like this is an illegitimate black story. Like I think the direct quote was like. Um, you know, no one wants to hear about the, the woes of privileged life. Um, and, and they consulted with, and, and this is the direct phrase, they consulted, consulted with their expert in black stories oh my and, God. and decided that this, you know, wasn't on the level. And which, um, by the way, you say in your book, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Like you yeah. literally, the, the, so much of your book is literally about you being told like, oh, he's not really black. Right. Right. Um, so it for that reason oh it God. did definitely strike a familiar tone and I and like I'm calling out one publisher's feedback but I, I got some version of that feedback from several uh, including basically all of the major publishers um, and 
And I think that, like, I understand where it comes from. I mean, like, it's a very American thing, a very black American thing to valorize suffering and valorize struggle. And and, and I get why that's the case, uh, particularly when you're talking about a, a group of people that for whom so much of our history has been suffering and struggle. Um, but I don't think that that's the only legitimate story we have to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that it took a long time to get to a place uh, where I was exactly what you're saying gabby just sort of accepting the fact that like i'm I'm not going to win in a game of kind of the struggle olympics but but i can still tell my story hopefully in an authentic way that resonates um and i also definitely saw tones of that going through COVID a lot as well where people would like you'd catch up with people and like you know they would start to complain and then they'd say oh i don't have it as bad as everybody else but like mm-hmm. it's okay to just like to just say like it's you know the past couple months have been tough um it's relative um so I, I, I definitely understand that and definitely dealt with it quite a bit when trying to get this thing published. How do you not let other people's projections of that affect your identity? Like, how, how are you able to separate from constantly hearing other people, like, tell you who you are and what mm. you are and push yeah. when people project all these different identities onto you, especially, like so much of your book was talking about code switching. Like, how right. are you able to form all these identities while knowing what's yours being what's projected onto you and what's yours when you're having to change what's yours to survive in given yeah. situations? Um, that's a tough question. Um, I know. I Sorry, I you could work it out in real time. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's exactly what, what I'm yeah. doing. Um, I think that it, one, it just takes time. I mean, you certainly, if you read the book, you know, you kind of, it kind of charts that journey for me where mm-hmm. in the beginning um, you have kind of a lost boy and then hopefully at the end you have a slightly less lost almost man. Um, and <laughs> and that journey um, is a difficult one full of trial and error. I think that would help me and I, and I speak to this in the book is one, you know, I'm Ethiopian um, and for that reason have roots in a place and a people uh, that I can kind of point to. Uh, and and many of those stories, much of that history has been handed down to me, and that that gives you uh, kind of an anchoring that, frankly, not as many Black Americans are fortunate enough to have, just given our history in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's one for me. And then two, I've been like incredibly fortunate to be surrounded by um, people, kind of later in life, people that are dealing with many of the same issues. You know, I write about several of my friends in the book. And those are like my real life closest friends on earth. Um, and we've formed a little bit of a community. Uh, and one of the things that we coalesce around is the fact that sort of our, we, we have this shared experience of trying to navigate this gray space. Um, so that's been really fortunate for me as well. And I think additive to me understanding kind of a whole concept of myself. Did you have a moment though that you were like, okay, this is going to be the identity because you talk a lot about in the chapter for the people listening, it's called um, Bad, Bad, Not Good that yeah. chapter, which in particular is a very special chapter and a very vulnerable chapter that you shared. Um, and you talk a lot about like that in order to literally make it further in your yeah. life, you had to, I think I, I have it written here. You say you needed to process the ambivalence that delivered mm. you to sort yeah. of that brink of what you call like those not as good times and about even thinking about ending your life. And you say that you needed to like construct an identity that you say that could withstand ever shifting sounds, mm-hmm. which like, by the way, great line. 
how did you was that like the that moment that you it sort of clicked in your brain like okay I need to construct an identity for myself do you um, carry that same identity now I don't think that that I don't know that there was a single moment again just by way of context I had a feeling given the subject matter of this podcast that we talk about that chapter quite a bit not <laughs> one that I often talk about um but but bad bad not good is essentially a chapter that talks about uh depression in kind of my middle school and early high school years uh including depending on how you look at it kind of one and a half slash two attempts on my own life um and i i don't know that that there was a single moment of revelation uh per se i do think that i was able to identify just some of the more toxic influences i i had surrounded myself with at that point um both in terms of kind of drugs and alcohol and then also in terms of just some of the people that that just weren't mm -hmm. good for me and and which is not to say they're bad people but i think like we were all young and trying to figure it out uh mm -hmm. and the way that they were going about that process for themselves was oftentimes running up against you know kind of my own well-being um so i i don't know that there was a single moment so much as there was a drifting away from many of those influences uh and eventually i drifted far enough away that, that I felt as though I could kind of stand on my own two feet and, and have something that resembled values and and uh, character uh, that I wouldn't let be infringed upon. Uh, and I'm still that way. I think that you know all of my closest friends um, know me and love me and yet know the boundaries upon which I do not cross. And I think mm -hmm. it's, it's, impo it's important to have those uh, just to, to keep your sanity in this world. Do you think that those like not as good times those dark times do you think without that you would have reached the same healing and do you think that that's something unique to you or do you kind of feel like that's a ubiquitous thing that everyone has to go through some version of a dark night of a soul in order to yeah. like find their deepest self do you think that's a universal truth or do you think that's just for you no, if that is just for you the, like you just hidden with the the bangers dude, early on with like, the, oh yeah i like, like dude shit. i like sorry we did we I, we love no, this fucking book in. dude we did research on this book yeah, but i'm yeah, telling you just just hit me with them um yeah. <laughs> man like okay for me there's no question that i would be a different person today i mean it's, it's impossible to say like whether or not it's necessary um, right. I guess oh, sorry. My not. dog is. If you hear that, it's all I'm good. so sorry. <laughs> it's, all good. it's Mahal. This is her. It's all good. She's gonna Mahal. yell at you in the I background while we're talking about deep, <laughs> deep mental health trauma. <laughs> um, so I, I think that that in terms of whether or not it's necessary, um, whether or not it was necessary for me. I mean, I all I can say is I know I'd be much different today. I mean, like my mm -hmm. those were like really formative years for me. Um, mm -hmm. And I came out of them, you know, and I, I write about this in the book. I think my mother actually writes about it even more where I had never considered the fact that like both of those, we had a conversation much later in life, my mom and I, um, where I had never considered the fact that like both of those attempts essentially happened within a year and a half span that overlapped like difficulties that she and my father had, um, the two mm. of them ultimately splitting apart, my grandfather, who I was very close with, uh, ending up ill, uh, which would ultimately lead to his death. Um, so it was just a, it, it never, she provided context in a way that for some reason I had just never reflected on. Like to me, mm -hmm. those were two isolated attempts. And she was like, Cole, you do realize like all of this other stuff was happening. Mm -hmm. um, as a result of all of that other stuff and my own issues, I emerged from, you know, kind of ninth grade or whatever, uh, 
pretty close to the person I am now. Like, like wow. I haven't changed that much in terms of, yeah. I mean, that doesn't sound great as a 26-year-old. No, it does but like, awareness now. You yeah. did the work early. You were forced yeah. to kind of do the work early given yeah. your circumstances. Like, that's Which, by the way, is like in the conversations that I've had with my black friends, like that's something that a lot of black children do is they right. grow up, they're forced to grow up very early. Right, yeah. right. Um, so so I, I feel like that time for me was crucial in that, development you know i i think i've certainly changed kind of on the margins and around the edges in obvious ways but like um sort of the core of who i am uh my closest friends then are still my closest friends now you know like a lot of that mm -hmm. had already been figured out uh at that point um so for me it was necessary is it necessary for everybody like i hope not you know like, like yeah, I, yeah. I i hope that there's other ways to to adulthood and self-confidence and character and so forth um and i know that there must be this just happened to be my own path um, it's just interesting. Sorry to interrupt. I just love asking people that question because I feel like every time I do, everyone does have their own version. Right. Like, I don't know yeah, how yeah. I feel. I don't know if I feel it's a universal truth or not. I'm, I'm, I'm jury yeah. still out in my brain. But it's just interesting because every time it comes up, everyone does have their own version of the story. You know? Yeah. yeah. And like, and we talked about struggle and sort of suffering earlier. And like, yeah, I mean, like, no life can be lived without struggle of some form. Mm -hmm. So, so mm -hmm. I, I think that in that sense, you know, perhaps it is universal. I think that my kind of like specific experience around being a black kid in, in a largely white world and um, kind of the baggage that might come with that, that that's probably specific. But you're right. I'm sure it does kind of speak to a larger just growing up that most people must do. Do you feel like now talking about this chapter and talking about your story, is it easier for you to talk about just because you're sort of separated? Like you talk yeah. a lot about having mm -hmm. shame around it. Do you still feel that same shame or have you reconciled with it a little bit um i don't feel shame i so so the story of the chapter again like this book took four years um bad bad not good was a chapter that probably didn't come in until three or three and a half years into the process and and wow. not because i didn't think uh about the chapter i mean it, it existed kind of in my head in some ways already written out um for most of that period i Wait, but can I you just, say what years that was? So this was uh, my, so between my junior year and what, 2021, 2020 we published. So that's four years, 2016 to 2020. Because um, that's still a pretty monumental time for mental health issues in general anyway. For sure. I, I feel like it's that time that just, oh, from, it was starting to become more Trump, recognized. But like yes. literally from Trump being elected to through the pandemic. Yeah. Like that, yeah. these are, okay, yeah, I just wanted that yeah. that time frame because um, it, it speaks volumes to what the writing is about too. And 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 those years were necessary, you know, like part of me is really glad, a lot of me is really glad that we didn't publish before we did because yeah. like, um, you know, exactly what you said, like Trump is elected and Michael Brown's killer isn't, uh, is acquitted. And, and so, you know, so much stuff was happening. Also, I graduated mm -hmm. from Georgetown and, you know, Damn. did my first real job and, you know, like there's just life events um, had my heart broken for the first time, which is in the book. Oh. So like, um, uh, there's just life events that needed to be included uh, in in the final version. Um, but to get to your question, uh, Gabby, I think that it, I struggled on whether or not to put it on paper for a long time. Because uh, one, I don't think I was quite ready to kind of face it myself. Uh, two, I wasn't sure that it was necessary. Um, when I finally did, I wrote that entire chapter out literally in like a single setting and wow. and it didn't really change much uh where were the you time that i wrote it where were you uh, i was in chicago at the time 
Cool. And and I had just started my first job in Chicago in the wintertime. It was depressing as hell anyways, so I guess it got me in the mood. And, <laughs> and I just like yeah. sat down and wrote it. And, you know, I say this often is that like I think that you can't really write about something unless you understand it. And yeah. um, what it required was was me, you know, trying to understand that part of my life. Yeah. Um, so I'm not shameful of it at all. I, in terms of talking about it, it's still something I'm kind of getting used to. You know, I had to do a lot of interviews uh, yeah. and during the press run. And there's something uncomfortable about like, you know, an NBC host asking mm-hmm. you about the worst moments of your life. Yeah. Uh, but and but for you to there. summarize it in 30 seconds for yeah. a soundbite. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, like yeah. that's not always easy. I, yeah. uh, but we get there. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that you didn't initially think that a chapter like that is necessary because from my perspective reading your book like I think when anybody talks about mental health regardless of the scale that it's on right it humanizes people in such a different way Mm -hmm. and so I think that that adds a very specific layer to who you are and Mm -hmm. a very deep understanding for the readers and also to be able to see themselves reflected in you particularly like you know we grow up in a society where mental health already has such a large stigma placed on it. And then you couple it with men being told that like they literally can't cry and can't have feelings. And then you couple that also with being a black man that comes with its complete different set of stigmas. That must have must. I don't know if it still is something that impacts the way that you view slash take care of your mental health. Yeah, I I think that, um, well, you rose two things that I want to mention. One is that you, you mentioned just sort of like relating to the reader and, I, I really wasn't sure whether or not the, the chapter was necessary, but in the subsequent, I guess now year since it's been out, I'll often be asked to speak to groups, many of whom are groups of young black kids. And um, that reaffirmed, confirmed for me the necessity of that chapter because I, you know, I have these conversations with young black kids and like when they say, um, you know, I was feeling this way and saw it written for the first time, you know, that's something that like, that made it all worth it. You know, that's like just incredibly powerful for me. Um, when you can give verbiage yeah. to feelings that other people don't know how to put into words, it is like the That's most so yeah. seen and validating feeling in the entire world. Yeah. And I, you know, in, when I started writing this, it was largely a, a for me thing, like to try mm-hmm. to process through some of my own stuff. Um, but by the end, when it was released, I, I had started to think about those other people that might ultimately read it. And um, and that's just just powerful for me. I mean, it just, mm-hmm. you know, it, it warms me and makes me feel like this was a worthwhile endeavor. Um, Gabby, you said something else and I've just totally lost my train of thought. No, but about I was going to respond to something. About stigma within the Oh, yeah. and how you take care of yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's still a journey I'm on. Uh, taking care all? of myself is not, is not something I'm Give us the I'm self-care routine. Um, I Your like, favorite coping strategies. I want to hear it all. Like, I'm, I'm not good at it yet. Uh, that's uh, okay and I don't prioritize I don't the way is. that I yeah should. is anyone <laughs> um, I one I like I'm, I'm good at being alone um, and mm. I and I yeah. like enjoy time in solitude and particularly just because of what I do like you know I'm still I'm still getting writing projects done and like you just can't do that in a group setting um, yeah. so what I end up doing and this is like not the most healthy way to go about things is like coming to New York which is where I am now um, doing way too much with way too many people yep. for like four days and then retreating for like a month <laughs> and yep. like, and uh-huh. like doing it again. Um, that's not the best way to go about things, but in terms but of why how not I, though, 
Why it isn't it? It works for you. If it works it for you, like, you know? I, I, I think I swing too you burn far yourself to out? either extreme. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you, like, okay, overcompensate right. for the balance, kind of? Right, okay. right. Yeah. Like, I go four days of just, like, not sleeping and then retreat to, like, Martha's Vineyard in the middle of February when there's no one there and see no one for four weeks straight. Um, yeah. And, like, there's got to be a happy medium where I can find balance. <laughs> I mean, balance um, like literally just doesn't exist. I don't, I don't agree that balance exists in this world. But yes, I, yeah. I hear. Same. I don't know. I think there's people like I, I'm like an extroverted introvert is like the annoying yeah. phrase that I use. Yes. Where it's like it's I like people. I like being around people. But I get energy by being alone. Slash yeah. like, I you know I'm writing articles. I haven't tackled writing a book. But like even just writing an article, I literally can't be around anyone for that entire right. day. Right. Oh my gosh! If I if I have a meeting and then have to write something later, it's like two different brains. Like you can't. It's it's really hard to switch from like your internal thought process and like especially because you have such a specific tone of voice. Like it's so. I at least for me, I don't know if it's the same for you, but at least for me, it's really hard to get into that tone and like really think about how you want to express your art. And then right. also have to like just hop on and answer NBC ask you about yes. two suicide attempts like that's not yeah. in yeah. thirty seconds yeah. like that's not yeah. that's not how it works. Yeah, I um and I think that when you're doing a longer writing project like for instance, Gabby, I'm trying to get back into writing op eds and people have been pestering me about it and I need to. Um, but part of the reason I haven't is because I've been working on these longer projects. Um, you know, the, I think we just announced a book that'll come out in May and I'm trying to get another one done this winter and um, with those it's just like. It's just discipline. It's just like getting your word count every day. Um, and it's hard to, you know, chip away at that block when your day is thrown off by whatever. Like whether it be meetings like you said, Meadow, or just like being in New York, there's always shit. There's always just yeah. like stuff to do that I need to just yeah. remove myself from. Yeah. Okay, wait, two things. One, I, w- I wanted to ask you about boundaries. I don't know what you just said that reminded me of you talking about boundaries that you said like the friends and the people that you keep in your life are acutely aware of the boundaries that you have yeah. and like that's how did you get to that place because that is something that I find so difficult and I think a lot of people can also relate to finding it very difficult is setting boundaries particularly with friends and yeah. with friends that you've had for a very long time yeah um that's an interesting question I think that I I think that I came to a realization kind of in the period that that we were talking about earlier, kind of like in that in that ninth grade, late middle school, early high school period that like I thought that I thought that the route to being kind of well liked and popular and whatever else was exactly what you're saying. Just like no boundaries, go with the flow, be nice to everybody. Mm-hmm. And like and um, I think I came to a realization. I was fortunate. I talk about the black table uh, in the book and those guys who I'm still very close with um, were all well liked but all kind of had like a, like almost like a chip on their shoulder. I mean, like you didn't fuck with them. Like you just mm-hmm. didn't, you didn't fuck with those guys. Um, and, and hanging out with them, I think I realized that like people respect that you stand for something, you know, like yeah. I, I don't think that um, hanging out with them. I realized that like, like the route to being sort of respected and, and understood and um, is, is not just going with the flow. It's like making clear to people like, this is what I, you know, my family is something that I stand for. And therefore, should anything come up um, where I am forced to choose between any of your priorities and my family, you know, my choice is clearly, uh, uh, clearly predictable. Um, and I think people ultimately, if, if you just state that clearly, um, people ultimately respect you for it rather than the alternative. Uh, so I, I've tried to kind of live by that, uh, you know, since those early days. I need to take that because I... 
I feel you. I'm the type of person that like I am so frankly traumatized by like my my high yeah. school experience of I was a hundred percent like everyone was like Gabby's the bitch in the room Gosh. always. <laughs> and you know what? I wasn't. But when people force you into a certain identity, that's when you like take ownership of it. And you t- and that's what Meadow, the similar question that Meadow yeah. had asked you earlier, mm-hmm. like, how do you not take ownership of something that's like if someone's telling Projected you something you. you're so many times, you're going to yeah. believe it. Right. And mm-hmm. like that fully happened to me. So I think I like after I graduated from college, I like totally shifted into the like, I want everyone to think I'm the nicest person in the room and I need yeah. everyone to like me. And now that I'm like starting to find the balance mm-hmm. yeah. in that I find that people might not fuck with me right? and that's fine. Like yeah. I, my brain is like, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. You have boundaries and you're like the person that you're meant to be. But then like the little Gabby in me who's like, no, I need to be liked is like, oh my God. But then like what, what happens next? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the people pleaser yeah. issues with boundaries are always the one, the two that are yelling at me. It's like boundaries yeah. versus my people pleasing tendencies. Right. And it, oh, woo, for, those two for, tug. For me, the way that it manifested, I'm, I'm thinking about this as you're saying it, Gabby, the, the way that it manifested is like, again, I was the only black kid in like one friend group that I was in. I was the only black kid, um, which was kind of a, I talk about in the book, I went to two schools and one of them, I was kind of the black kid in a white friend group. And then the other one, um, I was at the black table. Um, but in my white friend group, um, had I not had boundaries, they just would have gotten away with shit that like, I just couldn't stand by, you know, like there was like, yeah. you know, like, like white kids saying the N word and like, like stuff mm-hmm. like that, that like, there's a, there was a few instances of that where I just need to say clearly, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> like, like we're, we're not doing this. We got to do this a different way. And I know, and I know kids that chose not to go that route and i get it like it's a survival strategy but if you don't then you're just getting stepped on you know like you just like like once once that boundary has been pushed repeatedly it doesn't exist um Mm -hmm. so i i had to just state clearly for the record like guys like you know again my family is something that i hold dear my culture and my heritage and my race is something that i hold dear these are things that like you will not be able to trample on and as long Mm -hmm. as you don't um, then, then, then everything's copacetic. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that was kind of the way that I, I backed my way into it. Did you learn that from your parents? Yeah. You don't fuck with my mom. Like, you don't, you know, like, Oh, I have like so my many mom, questions like, about your mom. <laughs> like, um, yeah. you know, she had a different set of values in part because like, like she had kids and like, we knew we were the most important thing in the world to her. Um, and we knew that in part because of like the way she just like mama bared at times in front of other people that tried to threaten, you know, our whatever. Um, so yeah, I definitely, and my dad, frankly, is like, like I talk about it in the book, even though he wasn't around as much once I got to high school, um, he's someone that you just didn't, you didn't cross in that way. Um, he has kind of a serious demeanor and, and definitely saw him stand up for things that were important to him at times. Um, so I learned that from both of them and my grandparents. I mean, I, you know, I, I came from strong stock, um, so they wouldn't have had it any other way. I know Meadow has, we have a lot of questions about your mother. because I have okay. a lot of questions about your mother. Well, specifically, yeah. the one I want to get to first is because she's adopted and I have a sibling that's adopted. And oh, I cool. always think it's interesting to have family members that are adopted. And I yeah. wanted to kind of like pick your brain. She mentions it a little bit about the time when she lost her mother that raised her, but then found her yeah. bio family. Because my pause, sister's... Pause, oh, sorry. Pause. For people listening, there's an entire chapter. It's called Love Mom, right? And yes. it is a letter that Cole mom 
wrote to him and it's in the book go on so she talks briefly about losing her mother who raised her and then finding her bio family and my sister found her bio family when i was in sixth grade i want to say but i just i because so much of this book is obviously grappling with identity i was interested to hear how finding a whole new side of your family in particular your bio family like how yeah. that do you hear this girl i'm so yes. sorry that she's oh, mahal so is in the conversation mahal's <laughs> always exactly. a part of, i'm so sorry she mahal's always a part of the conversation she's so a three-month-old good. puppy and she screams at me all day long so I she's literally we're happy to have the, her input she's <sighs> such a little bitch that's what that's what she literally that's what she, mahal leave me alone <laughs> do you the yes. sass she doesn't give a fuck okay i'm gonna <laughs> ask like, and go on mute but basically my question was like what would do you remember that process of her finding her bio family and what yeah. how did it impact you or did it not at all like what was that kind of like um so i'm unfortunately not going to be able to answer this question sufficiently because i like don't fully understand my mom's story like that like from the time Ooh. from the time i was young there's been three women on my mom's side alone that we've called grandma um yeah. of <laughs> classic whom of whom one was alive when I was born. Um, yeah. You know, my mom, to, to give it in brief for the people that are listening that haven't read, like my mom, my mom was born to an Ethiopian mother um, and a man who, at the t- that, that's a whole nother thing, is that like my Ethiopian grandmother and grandfather, I only in the last year or so found out that the grandfather is not my biological grandfather. Oh my gosh. Um, so oh. so it, like it literally just found that out. Yeah. Um, so, so which is all to say there's a bit of a confusing web there, but essentially my mother was born to an Ethiopian woman, um, put up for adoption, uh, raised between California and Germany. Um, The adopted mother passes away. She then has essentially another adopted mother, uh, but then at age 20 something um, reconnects with her biological family. So the people that I have called grandma and grandpa are my mom's biological grandparents, biological parents, even though she didn't, wasn't raised by them. I don't know what that process was like in part because I wasn't alive. Uh, right. Like they, you know, she, she reconnected with them before I was born. And by the time I was born was very close with them. Um, so in some senses, a very non-traditional background, but in other senses, like I did totally. grow up with two clear grandparents. Uh, they just lived in Ethiopia. Uh, and much of the other people that she was raised by lived in California. Um, so yeah, that's a long winded way of saying, I don't really know. Uh, but she has an incredibly complex history yeah. that I only learned kind of for the first time in some ways as we were working through, you know, her getting her chapter written. How did Which, she by talk the way, about... Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say that, like, I thought it was so impressive. I mean, the chapter itself is beautifully written and very impressive on your mother's end. But I thought it was very impressive on your end that you had the foresight to be like, okay, I'm going to send you my manuscript. I need you to reflect on your childhood and how you got to be where you are because I think that's not something that a lot of people ever learn is how to see our parents as human beings with their own stories. We literally talked about that all last week. This yeah, is and very I mean, it's on literally it's, right now. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. by the way, like all Hoffman talks about is like understanding. We have like a whole day that we call it like our like fuck you day to our parents. <laughs> where it's like, oh, you ruined me. And it's yeah. so easy to blame our parents for like missing signs, which is something that your mom talks about in the chapter. But like that day is then very quick. And I feel like people before I say that, I think people get stuck in that day of mm-hmm. like just being like, well, fuck them. Like, look how they messed right. me up. Like, blah, blah, blah. But Hoffman coupled it very quickly with then having the compassion and understanding 
for our parents as human beings and sort of separating them. So I thought that was very interesting and impressive on your end, like at such a young age to be like, no, 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 my mom's a human being with her own story. And I wondered what it was like for you to unpack your mental health with your mom because it's it she acknowledges like it's something that she missed those signs right also Um, at what time in your process did you know you wanted her to write a chapter like um, where in your in the four years were you like shit mom's gonna have to write it (laughs) um so good question so shortly after i wrote bad bad not good which is kind of a clear um you know trough valley in the narrative i um i felt like we needed something to bridge out of that um and and exactly what you said, Gabby, like I, I kind of I tell my dad's story a bit and particularly through uh, my grandfather and, you know, who I was very close with Pop. And I talk about him and, and kind of how he raised my father. My mother's story didn't come in as much in part because I identify her whole lineage more with my Ethiopian side than my mm-hmm. black American side. And this mm-hmm. and this book is very much sort of rooted in being black American. Um, that said, I knew I needed something to kind of bridge out of the the darkness of bad, bad, not good, and knew that she would have her own story to tell. Um, the process there was not nearly as smooth as as you suggested, Gabby. It was like, um, like I, I was maybe two months away from publishing when I when I sent her Whoa. the book. Damn. Um, and didn't send her. I mean, like, didn't send her a word before then. You know, mind you, like the book had been fully formed for like you know at the, at that point I'd been working on it for three plus years. And um, wait, for context, how much of these conversations were you having in your personal relationship with her? Like, was this book a shock to her upon not knowing it? Was that why you had waited so long? Yeah. Kind of what was the. So it was it like I wasn't sure even after writing Bad, Bad, Good, I wasn't sure I was going to go ahead with it. Um, And that's just like the biggest example of something that she wouldn't have been aware of. But there were several others, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's stuff in the dating chapter that she wouldn't have been aware of. And and um, so. And I knew how how impactful that would be for her uh, and how she would have a lot to process after reading it. Uh, but I did feel like her story was necessary. So at this point, I was living in New York. I was going to move to Australia, I think, in a few months. My mother was living in Australia at the time. And um, my mother and I are very close. I mean, we talk, you know, once a day, if not more. And I sent her the book and then just didn't hear from her for like two weeks, uh, which for wow. us is a wow. very long time um, totally. uh, and like literally didn't speak once for, for about two weeks. And, um, and when she did resurface, like we had a lot of heavy conversations that we had to have before she could put a word on paper. Uh, and she will tell you that I was like, I was a hard sort of driver in terms of like getting this out of her. Cause I think that she um, was reluctant. I uh, mm-hmm. didn't see how it was necessary in the story um also i think was just just had a lot of pain given the chapter Mm -hmm. that precedes it um only recently i was just so oh so i was i I, so i the book i just wrote that releases in may um is is matt james's uh memoir and um uh, matt james the guy from the bachelor and (laughs) i and and i co-authored it with him and i was honored that he uh asked me to do that and at one point, uh, my mom was in town and my mom, he and I went to dinner together. Uh, and, and he was talking about kind of some of the hesitations that he had around telling his own story and, and, you know, what would people around him think? And only in that conversation did my mom, uh, finally say, 
that she under that that like she was proud of how it was told in my story and and that she understood why her chapter was necessary um yeah, to complete cool. that story um yeah. and that and that was that was meaningful to me uh so we got her there because man as a reader it, it's monumental to have it in there because it's yeah. especially oh. just i mean intergenerational and she's like so internationally risen like she talks about being yeah. in germany but being with a group of international friends and then coming back here and it's it's just so interesting you can be in such a different time such a different place such a different like set of society rules and standards yeah. and how many similarities we all definitely. go through in like forming our identities definitely it's a monumental definitely. chapter to have but because you brought up your other book similar question what is it like to unpack someone else's story like, like what is that writing process that like yeah i always yeah. wonder this when i hear people like either like ghostwriting or co-authoring yes or like i think about it with therapists all the time i'm <laughs> like how do you not walk out of that room holding on to that person's baggage and also with yeah. someone like matt that i know that you've been friends with for a very long time or how yeah. does it bring up stuff in yourself or you know what so i mean or questions. trigger like realizations um, for yourself so many questions so some of the specifics of the process, I want him to have a chance to speak to when that time comes. But um, what I will say in sort of a general sense is that I, one, you do absolutely as best you can for it not to bring up things in your own sort of mm. life, in your own stories. You know, like this is, um, you almost have to approach it like a job. I mean, I, I didn't yeah. approach, mm -hmm. I mean, it is a job in, in a lot of ways, but like I didn't, I didn't approach my book as a job that was like you know kind of soul searching um right. matt's book is a job like i like yeah. my like i am i am uh, only there to help him tell his story his way uh yeah. so you can't take on too much of the the stuff uh no matter how much it sort of rings true in your own heart and story um and then and then you know i think that another thing is that people don't often understand the pieces of themselves that are uh, most formative or or even just interesting um, to the reader you know there's so much of ourselves that we kind of take for granted uh, so I think my other role in being the co-author on that book was to try to you know dig some of that stuff out to 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 say to him you know oh that one thing that you mentioned in one sentence when we talked let's unpack that because I actually think that that mm. makes a lot of sense for how you ended up here or um or that one story you know like you might not think that that's interesting, but let me tell you, that's really interesting and we need to include it. Um, so there was a lot of those conversations as well. Does being on the other side make you feel like you would write another book and have someone be that role for you? Oh, no. good cue. No, I, no? I, why? Good question, but no. Um, <laughs> Hard because I, <laughs> But why? Yeah, because, that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, I, oh man, how do I answer this question? Be blind. I, I would just be, uh, I care a lot about the words that are attributed to me. Okay. Um, uh, like yeah. so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like, oh, like I think the, we both identified deeply. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> the you know, like, like going through my manuscript in, in terms of Grey Boy. Um, I mean, there's entire passages of that book that I could recite to you from memory, like entire yeah. chunks of chapters. Um, because I combed over every word and I'm not as, you know, like I've changed a lot as a writer since then. So it's not that, that I'm super proud of it in that way, but it's just that, um, I cared and, and I would never, I care so much that I just wouldn't let somebody else put words in my mouth. Um, oh, I just um, think like writing is so personal. Yeah. And I wonder if like for you, it was ever like, if you 
growing up ever used it as like a form of therapy like I know for me writing has always been like I I didn't realize that writing could be a job until it was like I mm-hmm. always just wrote like yeah. it was like I would keep these like extensive diaries basically mm-hmm. yeah. of my life and it was my sort of form of therapy and I am so protective yeah. over the way like Meadow knows I'll literally be writing mm-hmm. especially now that I'm my own boss and I get to sort of pick a lot more of the articles that I'm writing I really enjoy writing things in the short essay way in my perspective mm-hmm. in my voice and I'll send Meadow paragraphs all the time where I'm like I'm Save not like this is perfect for yeah. this article but I'm not giving this freaking website this sentence because this yeah. is going to be in my book one day like, like we both mine. have like, folders I, on the no. computer that are like things we've written that are saved for the book I don't know if I should admit <laughs> yeah. that because then people are like I don't want to work with Gabby because she's not going to give us her best work and like you know what I'm probably not because it's for my right. second book right okay. fair but you have to and you have to save some stuff for yourself and I, it, I I need to quickly add an addendum to what I just said because I, I said that I wouldn't want somebody to put words in my mouth and like that's not what I'm accusing Matt of having done. Um, oh no, 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 no! I perceived it. Yeah, no, that's not how we perceived it at all. It's, it's just that I think that like um, the other thing is that like not everybody knows how to or wants to tell their own story. You know, like like right. that, that's why this exists. Um, I fortunately like this is a craft that I've worked at and continue to work at, and therefore should have the faculties to try to to try to do it myself um that's a great way of saying you're a really good writer (laughs) 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 um but it was it was a joy you know helping pull that out of matt as well um uh, it was really a pleasure wait so because you're so like in love with the process of writing and like care so much about that what is it like to have someone else translate that onto film? Like how involved are you? How oh much are you God. compromising yeah. your art? Like how what kind of, how do you translate right your now? art into a totally different medium? Like what is that? Right. Are you relinquishing um, control? Give, give Does context, it suck? Like tell us Give everything. context of what she's talking about. Sorry so, for the people. So context is that Grey Boy uh, was optioned by Yara Shahidis, who is the daughter in Blackish and, and the star of Gronish and Tinkerbell. Um, it was optioned by her production company, which has an overall deal with ABC, which means it was also optioned by ABC Signature, uh, and we're in development now. Um, so sick. Fortunately, like, am not nearly as precious with that project. Okay. Um, one, Why? For two reasons. One, like, because I just can't be. Like, yeah. like, like, I, like, <laughs> like once Except you- Except what you can't be, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> like, I am an executive producer on it, and I will be deeply involved in the creative, but but once you sign that contract, yeah. you're understanding that, like, you're opening it up to other people's creative interpretations, as you should, because there's just people that mm-hmm. are much more experienced in this world than I am. Um, but then, two, like, I wanted to tell my story, and I feel like I did that mm. with Grey Boy, um, or at least parts of it uh, that sort of- uh, contributed to this narrative of, of being black and white spaces. And and I don't feel like I need to do it again with the show. Like I want the show cool. to be entertaining. Yeah. Um, it doesn't need to, you know, like if the curtains were green in my mother's house, they don't need to be green in yeah. the yeah. show. You know, like it, I don't need that level of factual detail. Totally. Um, really, I, just I also bet it'll be so interesting for you to see how people interpret your yeah. art in that way oh, yeah. you know what i mean i've I, yeah. that's got to be such an interesting process to see the different ways people like project their own experiences into your story yeah and i'm and i'm having those conversations now and you're right like it's like um you know the the coal in the book now and the, and the eventual coal in the show yeah. is a character like it's not me um yeah and therefore other people can have their own interpretations of what that character would and would not do and i'm in no place to say 
whether or not they're right um, because it's a character and like they have their own interpretations and I have mine Uh, and those discussions are just are just fun just a lot of fun that's how does the family feel is faith like this is who's playing me figure it out yeah exactly um yeah so zendaya has now been cast as faith and my (laughs) ex-girlfriend and my mom like like everybody wants zendaya to play them Um, everyone yeah like who doesn't like like so like hopefully hopefully zendaya can just play every role in the show Um, a one woman show because because she's cold she's face such pull Yeah. yeah, because we at Thoughts May Vary have such pull. Zendaya, like, can you be if you're listening? Show? <laughs> yes. Um, so, but yeah, of course, like, I mean, Gabby, you know my sister. My sister has opinions on most things. She certainly has opinions <laughs> on 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 how she's portrayed in this show. Um, and and it, it'll be exciting to see sort of how this thing comes to life. Uh, hope, I'm sure, I mean, we're not even at that point yet, but hopefully we get somebody good for Faith. Do you get to say I'm... who plays you? Like, are, do you get a, a um, vote? I don't get like a veto. Um, I do. Right. My opinion is taken into account for just about everything right. we do, um, so including. You don't get a veto. I don't get a veto, um, but but that's okay. Like I I, I am consulted. But you trust who you're working with. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. There's 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 people that um, that do this for a living and have for a while and and understand this process. Uh, so I I feel you know blessed to just be in the same room as them working on this thing. When is that set we, to come out? We're not there yet. So development okay, okay. is a long process, um, hopefully soon. Yeah. We so are very sick. excited. I It's been so Let's have a cool watch party. Watch. I know, oh my God, we will have a watch yeah. party. It's been so cool to watch this whole experience. Um, and as someone, I mean, I'm sure I'll say it. I've said it in the intro. We haven't recorded the intro yet. Fun fact, we do that at the end. But Cole and I, we met probably, what, when we were like 18 years old, but we weren't yeah. very close. It was always like, yeah. a, hey, we're at the same party. How's it going? And so it's only been in the last maybe like year that we've sort of reconnected and and you know it's been really special and cool and from an outside perspective very proud and it's thank you i'm very excited to see what's to come and i'm proud too even though i'm a new friend and and i feel the same (laughs) way about y'all too you're you know you you took the leap in in trying to do your own thing and i think that's incredibly admirable and i have no doubt that you will achieve all that you hope to Thank you. Thank and you thank so you for doing much. this. Oh my gosh, of it was such was a pleasure. You're going to have to come back and we also might have to bring your mom on because we still have questions. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a whole different You'll be discussion. our first intergenerational podcast. That. Yeah, we'll get you, you oh, no, and yeah. your mom. You, your mom, and Faith. Yeah, yeah. all yes. to unpack. Yep. <laughs> you got my mom and Faith. You don't need me. They'll, they'll, they'll take the room up themselves. Um, really, Cole, just put yourself on mute. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was awesome. Absolutely. Such, Thank you. such a pleasure. You're such a good sport for all of our tough questions. Thank you. This was fun, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. Cool. Stop recording now. I think I was afraid of using my voice because I was afraid to accept that I had lung cancer. But if we want to have the best care, we need to talk, we need to ask, and we need to be assertive. Speaking up doesn't need to be daunting. Consider gathering additional information from credible patient organizations, preparing questions you want to ask your doctor, taking notes at your next appointment, and asking about biomarker testing. Steps like these can potentially lead to care that is more focused on your needs. 
We have to be assertive, even though it's hard when you are fighting for your life. Visit bit.ly slash soundup for lung cancer for links to resources and to learn more about SoundUp, a patient-inspired, community-led campaign supported by Novartis to empower people affected by lung cancer.